This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 262. It's time for a new relationship with food by Leo Babauta of zenhabits.net. And I'm Dr. Neil Malik, reading you some of the most popular health and fitness blogs out there with permission from the authors. Today's post is from Zen Habits, but before we hear it, if you know anyone that likes audiobooks and might like audio blogs, please let them know about our podcast. You can show them how to subscribe on their phone or you can link them to oldpodcast.com slash listen. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much in advance. So let's jump right in and hear another post from Zen Habits as we optimize your life. It's time for a new relationship with food by Leo Babauta of zenhabits.net. Have you ever stopped to consider what relationship you have with food? We don't often think we even have a relationship with food, and yet we do, and it's pretty intimate. Think about this. If you're like me, you spend as much or more time with food than you do with many of the loved ones in your life, several hours a day or more. And consider this. Technically, food is just fuel for living. That's all, nothing else. And yet, it has become so much more to most of us. We use food for pleasure, for comfort. We turn to food when we're sad, depressed, or hurt. We use food to socialize and as a reward. We do it when we're bored. Food can also be a chore. It can be used as gifts. We turn to food when we're lonely. It can be associated with Food is equated to health. Sometimes food can become an obsession. It can definitely become an addiction. Food can make us hate ourselves and it's the center of many billion-dollar industries. In fact, the huge food-related industries are at the center of much of our relationship with food. Restaurants, fast food chains, convenience foods, agribusinesses, distributors, grocery chains, snack foods, bakeries, coffee shops, dessert chains, health food, diet food, supplements, bodybuilding food, and many others. They spend billions upon billions every year trying to get us to eat more and more food, their food in particular. And the horrifying thing is that all of this advertising really, really works. We have been convinced that the answer to almost any problem is food. You truly love someone? Buy them chocolates or take them to a restaurant or bake them cookies. Wanna lose weight? Eat diet food. Wanna get fit? Take our supplements. Eat our meat, drink our milk. Wanna be healthy? Eat our healthy products. Wanna reward yourself? There are too many options to name here. Having a bad day? We've got the food for you. Don't have time? Our food will save time. Wanna save money? Buy supersize and quote unquote save. Food is the answer to everything, apparently. And yet, we forget that food is just fuel. We need to eat a certain amount to live and maintain our weight. If we eat more than that, we will store some of that fuel as fat or build muscle for exercising. And how do we lose weight? By eating. Apparently, eat diet food, drink diet shakes, eat zone bars, eat vegetarian products, eat meat and other protein sources, eat low-fat products, eat our cereal, or drink our diet soda. But what if we just ate less? Despite what the food industries have convinced us of, we don't need to eat as much as we do to actually survive. Sure, maybe eating that much is fun and pleasurable and we'll stave off boredom and is fun to do with friends and family and so on, but we don't need to eat that much. Actually, we need to eat less. The problem isn't that it's so difficult to eat less. The problem is that we have a complicated relationship with food 
that started when we were toddlers and has become more and more complicated through the years, through endless amounts of advertising, of eating when we're sad and lonely and happy and bored and at parties and going out and on dates and watching TV and dieting and so on. Our complicated relationship with food makes it hard to cut back on how much we eat. So let's start building a new relationship with food. Start recognizing exactly why we eat. Is it just for sustenance? Or is our hunger often triggered by other things like boredom, socializing, or pleasure? Start realizing the effects that advertising and the food industries have on how we think about food and how we eat. Stop eating when we're bored or out of habit or as a reward or for pleasure or for comfort. Only eat what and how much we need. Find other ways to entertain ourselves or comfort ourselves or find pleasure. Find other ways to socialize rather than eating large amounts of food. Stop obsessing so much about food. End our addiction with certain foods, sugar, for example, or starches. We can still eat them, but we don't need to eat them as much. Think about it. How much simpler would life be if you could end this complicated relationship with food? Some changes that might actually happen. You'd spend less time thinking about food, less time preparing food, spend less money on food, you'd eat less and hopefully get healthier. Fasting. I have to give credit to Brad Pylon and his excellent book, Eat, Stop, Eat, for inspiring this post. Brad shook up a few of my notions about eating, my assumptions about standard beliefs in the health industry, and about why we are conditioned to eat so much. While I haven't decided to try Brad's super simple method for losing fat, fast one to two days a week and eat normally on other days, plus strength training, I can definitely recommend his book as a way to challenge the ideas you might have read in magazines or fitness blogs. But what's most interesting is how he recommends 24-hour fasts as a way to transform your relationship with food. By fasting, you learn to give up your need to eat for reasons other than fuel. You learn that hunger is often conditioned by other things, and you end that conditioning. You learn that hunger is okay, and after a while, the fasts don't bother you at all. At least, that's what Brad claims, and it sounds reasonable to me. I might try fasting for this reason alone. Now, some of you will object to fasting on the usual grounds. It's unhealthy your body goes into starvation mode, it'll slow down your metabolism, your body will start using muscle as fuel, your blood sugar levels will drop too low, or you won't have energy. Those are the same reasons I objected. And I won't try to refute these ideas. Brad's book does a better job. Anyway, you don't need to fast to transform your relationship with food. It's one way, and I thought it was an interesting idea. In the end, let's teach ourselves some simple things. Food is just fuel. Most of us need to eat less. Food isn't love or entertainment or anything else like that. It's just fuel. You just listened to the post titled, It's Time for a New Relationship with Food by Leo Babauta of zenhabits.net. Now, with regards to fasting and health, I actually talked about this during a Friday Q&A episode. You have to go back to episode 45. So I'm not gonna reiterate my thoughts on fasting right now. I'll spare you. But Leo's absolutely right. When it comes to our relationship with food, it kind of gets complicated. He's right about some of the conditioning we receive, especially when we're young. And what's really sad is the food industry knows this, especially the fast food industry. A McDonald's executive was once quoted as saying, if you get a child at two, you've got them for life. Meaning, you will have a customer for life if you can get a two-year-old hooked on your food now. So yes, we build potentially, lifelong habits at the tender age of two, if not sooner. And it's not your parents' fault, but I use this example a lot just to give you the idea of how we might be conditioned to have this specific relationship with food. 
You fall and scrape your knee when you were a kid. What did your parents do to make you feel better? They probably didn't hand you a carrot or a big bowl of salad and say, here you go, eat this, feel better, baby, run along. Usually, they gave you something what? Sweet, starchy, loaded with fat, like a chocolate chip cookie or maybe a popsicle, something like that to make you feel better and stop crying. So this will lead us to associate potentially something sweet, something high fat and high sugar with these positive feelings. But we also know that that's too simple. There also is a biological component to why we prefer certain foods over others. High fat, high sugar foods, high salt foods tend to trigger those reward centers in our brain. Why are salads not a comfort food? Because they don't trigger the same reward centers in our brain like ice cream does or mac and cheese or potato chips. So when Leo mentioned, let's find other things that bring us pleasure, he's absolutely right. We need to find other things that hit those reward centers in our brain. For some, it's exercise. For others, it's meditation. Or like I mentioned yesterday, it's going in a flotation tank. But when it comes to your specific relationship with food, I'm gonna go back to something I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Mindful eating. Before you consume that food, think about this. What's the color? What do I expect the texture to be? What does it smell like? Is this going to nourish me? Then, when you do finally start to consume it, chew it slowly. Think about the texture and the flavors. This all helps you become more mindful. It'll slow the eating process down. And we found through a lot of research that this helps control calories. This helps you become more grateful. It has all of these wonderful side effects. And essentially, it's changing your relationship with food. Now, before I go, if you enjoy the show, would you mind sharing it with someone today? The easiest way to do that would be to show them how to subscribe on a smartphone. A lot of people still don't know what a podcast is or how to subscribe to one. So if you can show someone that likes audiobooks or narration and would like the show or somebody who has a long commute like me, it'd be great if you could share it with them. All right, that'll do it from me for today. I'll be back tomorrow as usual. So definitely come back for that where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this show and Optimal Living Daily, the brother podcast of this one. Literally, I'm Dr. Neil's brother. If you like the format of this show, you'll love Optimal Living Daily too, where I also read to you from blogs, but cover other topics like personal development, finance, and minimalism from bloggers like Derek Sivers, The Minimalists, Zen Habits, and many more. So for more amazing content read to you for free, come subscribe to Optimal Living Daily too, And together, we'll optimize your life. You've been listening to Optimal Health Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us and remember, your optimal life awaits.